Welcome to DeFi Expectations. Today we have on DeFi Ted, a prominent figure in the DeFi scene, currently building cover protocol and ruler protocol. How are you doing today, Ted? Ah, uh, good, Fry. It's good to be here, mate. Fantastic. Glad to have you. And for those who are listening today who are not so familiar with your role in DeFi, can you share a little of your backstory as much as you're willing being anon and what drives your interest in this industry? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, all right. So, so backstory is, um, you know, uh, 15 years in, um, <clears throat> in finance and insurance, um, in both consumer and commercial, um, aspects here in Australia. Uh, during that time over the last <clears throat> four years, I was been involved in, in cryptocurrency. I found, you know, um, Bitcoin, Ethereum at the start of 2017 or during that, that, the very first start of 2017, um, I was in it for the money and then I stayed for the tech like everyone else kind of does. Uh, but it was, um, I could definitely uh, see uh, like a future with, um, with, with blockchain and crypto and, and Bitcoin wasn't my, 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 my coup de grace to write like as to like my, the, the thing that kind of sent me over the edge with crypto, it was actually, it was actually Ethereum and the ability to program this bitches logic, um, you know, at a point of transaction and, and let value transfer. That to me was really powerful. I, I couldn't really see DeFi back then, to be perfectly honest. I know they were pitching it, but I couldn't see a lot of the, um, a lot of the aspects that were being uh, kind of uh, like how borrowing lending was going to work um, back then. We didn't have compound. We're talking like start of 2018, like just after the ICO kind of um, vaporware phase, um, you know, and, and even Ethland at that point were more similar to what kind of ruler is now, I guess, but like who are Aave, um, you know, they were very much an isolated risk, um, you know, lending platform. And, and I just thought we had a long way to go. And then about midway through 2019, um, or maybe a bit later, probably September 2019, um, I read all up on Nexus Mutual, um, run by Hugh Carr. And um, I, I think I was slightly drawn to Hugh because he was an Aussie and he'd worked for companies that I'd worked for here. And, and his model at Nexus just made complete sense to me. And then all of a sudden I saw how DeFi was going to work. So like, it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, it was just kind of like, there was this uh, protocol in a space that I knew really well and, and, and everything they were trying to do about removing the middleman and having it just work with smart contracts. I, I got it. Like every, and everything else kind of fell into line. I don't know how to kind of explain that. Um, you know, it's like a Eureka moment. And uh, yeah, I, I, I knew I wanted to be part of DeFi. So I fast forward to about 2020. Uh, well, we fast forward to 2020. We fast forward to COVID times. Um, the company I'm working for decided to, um, to had the ability here in Australia to kind of remove our hours, um, you know, basically to save their own balance sheet. Um, and, you know, they could do that for a period of time. So I was, I was basically put on the back burner for work and income. So I was kind of forced to look at other options uh, for my life. And I decided that all this three years worth or three and a half years worth of, um, of, of learning and, um, and basically developing a brand, which is DeFi Ted over the last, you know, 18 months, 
um, and and really, I guess, pushing my understanding and wanting to be part of the um, want to be part of the change. I, I I didn't want to sit back and wait. I wanted to be part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, the 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 situation forced me to just be full time. So um, it was a it was a tough stage in that first little bit getting in but yeah by september 2000 uh, 2020 i was um i was no longer working in my normal job uh, i decided to to take the stab it was a tough it was a tough chat with my partner uh, i've got two kids um you know uh, at that time i had a debt you know, i had debt as well you know I, I, you know i still definitely needed an income so it was a it, it was a very it, it, there was a lot of risk but I felt like that um, that I'd I'd kind of covered a lot of that in a lot of senses, and um, and so far, you know, uh, to where I am today, from that point to to make the decision, you know, we've we're building out. Well, I'm with the team. We're building out Cover Protocol, which obviously, for those that don't know, provide uh, coverage options and is a um, is a is a total coverage derivatives market, and uh, and Ruler Protocol, which allow you to to basically have a, uh, a non liquidatable loan. Um, as a borrower, putting all the emphasis on the lender, which acts like a European out of the money put option. So that's that's kind of the history to where we are today. So is it kind of Nexus that originally got you interested in insurance with Cover Protocol, or how did you initially get started with this project? So uh, look, so so Nexus had I'd been so so let me <clears throat> back the track up for anyone that's a Nexus um kind of uh listener as like if you if you're part of the community like, I, i'm still a massive next nxm holder i've never given up my my tokens since i first like uh to me nexus is the was my first under uh, this is the first time i understood how DeFi was going to work so to me it's got a lot of importance um in the space for me personally um and i know that we can seem very um uh i guess i guess uh, combative uh, would be the word against Nexus as we're building something else. It, it, it's just a different way of doing it. So one of the things I had a problem with around Nexus was just, um, I feel like that they can have the staking, um, like the way that a, like a claim is approved. Like I feel like that should be removed from holders uh, because I don't think that that economically incentivizes the right outcomes for a claim holder. So, you know, I, I just felt like there were some things that could be done differently. And then I felt like that my voice wasn't being really heard. So when the opportunity came up for cover um, and, and that's got its own funny story in its own, <laughs> in its own right, because I mean, there was no coverage platform when that was first launched as safe farming. That was just a, you know, like a farming play and um, and between um, uh, well, basically pumpkin and cucumber who are our two vegetable devs Um for obvious reasons, just anonymous. Um, you know, they pitched me this idea of how this coverage market could work, and it was totally fungible. Um, it was market driven, and the they needed help with the claims process. And I said, "Well, look, I think that's something I can help him. Like, I can help you guys with because I feel like that's the one thing that's missing. Um, for anyone that's played in the traditional sense, when it comes to insurance." The majority, like like the vast number of time, like you're being judged by the consumer, like by the end user of who purchased and the way that they, you generally get judged in insurance is by your claims process, right? So you generally, um, you, you know, you, you're generally going to be, um, um, 
you know, looked up and down basically by how you pay out claims. And, you know, at that time, Nexus didn't really have a huge um, uh, ability to pay out claims. There was a lot of claims. There was, there was a claim that was done with the March 2020 uh, Black Thursday event, um, <clears throat> March 12 event, where uh, the MakerDAO and some other the protocols failed and they failed to pay out. And I just felt as though that we, um, that Nexus, and we should have paid that out um, at the time. So it was really nice to see that when we put together cover and we launched this in October, uh, and I think you just um, were looking at it on my on my Twitter while we're having a having a having a look there. But basically, the, the Pickle was one of our partners when we first launched, and um, and they were actually they, unfortunately they were actually hacked. Right, they had an act an exploit. So I'm going to use the word exploit. I don't like to, I don't like to use the word hack. It wasn't a hack, right? It was just an exploit. And when I and, and an exploit shouldn't be seen as something that is like a rug, right? I want to try and remove that from people. And exploit is exactly that, right? Trust me, those devs are feeling every bit worse than what you know. Likely you are that something in their code has meant that you've lost money, right? So mm-hmm. so so that exploit wasn't a great feeling. Um, but we had about $290,000 worth of coverage at, at that time. And within three days of being live on that cover protocol, our whole, our whole, like our whole um, setup was put to test, right? Like we, 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 we were being tested straight away. So um, it was nice to see that our whole uh, approvals process or uh, the way that we do the assessments um, worked very seamlessly uh, and was able to pay out the claim. Um, so we paid out $283,000 um, three days into being in business. Jesus. I feel like so, that's how I initially got uh, acquainted with you guys is when you paid out that pickle um, exploit because I was one of the depositors in the uh, die jar that I believe got exploited. It was the jump yeah. attack, right? Where basically... They, there wasn't some code that was checking which jar, because basically Pickle has jars, you know, like how Yearn has vaults, that's their smart contracts, you know, frames. Correct. But um, essentially, uh, they integrated this jar swapping feature that would allow you to switch your liquidity to different um, smart contracts uh, just on the fly. The problem was it didn't check to see if the jars were legit, essentially. And mm-hmm. so what I understand happened is that somebody created a fake jar and basically swapped all the liquidity into it and ran away with it. So I was, yeah. I, I was pretty upset, obviously, when that happened. <laughs> but, but that was how I first learned about uh, Cover Protocol and what you guys were offering for insurance, um, which I believe has changed quite a bit since V1, right? You guys have changed a lot as, as to how you approach insurance. And yeah, things. V V1, we wanted to just put out something where we could put out a few markets, right? As of like a proof of concept that this um, like market pricing would work. I think one of the things that we found really early was that by not having leverage like Nexus gets to, so you can kind of leverage out your stake Nexus over your like 10 different protocols. So you've got like this 10X leverage on your, um, on your capital. That's kind of where we fell down, right? Because we had to do it one-to-one. So the pricing probably wasn't, um, you know, very competitive. It, it wasn't competitive. It was probably eating a lot into the team as well in regards to, um, uh, sorry, it was eating a lot into the returns um, that the um, that the users were getting. So what we what we did is we wanted to 
really just get the, the this claim validation committee um, sorted, which is a um, it, for the smart contract um, coverage. It's, it's actually a, um, a bunch of known um, auditors in the space that do a breakdown for us, um, and, uh, and and basically uh, validate the claim. So, was it a hack? Was it a legitimate exploit? Like, what, what, what kind of was it? And then it allows the um, the users to kind of to vote on that. And we use Snapshot for now. We'll we'll, we'll improve that over time. So that'll end up being very specific and and you'll want it and and you'll have to be a cover holder and want to be part of that assessments process um in the future uh but yeah it's a um it's we're now able to to leverage that out with our v2 so what that basically means is you can you know you can have effectively up to you know 10 20 times leverage on your initial deposit to, to to sell different premiums and and leverage out that initial die Excellent. Something else um, based on a conversation we had recently, it seems now that cover can be built on top of protocol interfaces now, essentially allowing coverage to be purchased for a protocol um, without visiting cover's web website separately. Um, can you speak a little bit more to that and maybe like how important you think this user experience will be for DeFi users as crypto and DeFi, DeFi adoption continues? Yeah, well, I think like, I, yeah, that's probably a really good point. So uh, I, I think the, the irony isn't lost on me that we put together quite a com like a, a complete um, protection um, for, for, for shared stake and, and, and then what ended up eventuating. So it would have been actually nice to have that in place um, so that if, if that did happen, there was some recourse for some of those users as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a good learning for new projects and so forth about providing coverage to your users, right? It, sometimes it's about letting them to trust you as well. Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of governance is a meme, right? Mm -hmm. You're still going to have some level of a, uh, of a dictator founder type setup for a good period of time. Before you become truly decentralized. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's and that's a tough part too, because you have to make those decisions about, you know, you want your community to be bootstrapped. You want them to feel involved in the in the future of the project. But you also have things like voter fatigue you have to watch out for. And it's like, do we need everybody voting on every single aspect of the protocol? You know, and then you get a community that's becomes disengaged <laughs> from that. So it's definitely a balancing act for sure. I think we will see a formation of some sort of um, like hierarchy, right? Um, but the the to, to go back to your question around having actual the coverage on the platform is yeah the the idea is is that a um, we've got a permissionless setup setup coming soon where you'll be able to set up your own coverage pool um, and and offer and maybe we can go through the what, like the example that we had for kind of shared stake so. So the example here for shared stake was going to be that we would have um, five claim tokens available for, for purchase um, and they were covering something different. So they were covering either like the, the, the levels of staking. So if you had like a Uniswap LP, it'd cover you if you're in Uniswap, it'd cover the, you know, the, um, the, the staking within the shared stake site. So you had like these, these, these layers of kind of different protocols, but we would separate them into what their layers were. So if you were just straight staking a single asset, that was one claim token. Then if you were staking a claim, uh, uh, an LP token in there, that was another type of claim token. And then we had a claim token for slashing and ETH2. 
um, you know, issues on the network there being a validator. And then we also had uh, a claim token around the actual ETH2 staking pool. And, and obviously in case something got, you know, if, if ETH got bricked or if there was a problem, you know, with the smart contract, uh, with funds getting locked, um, and then you'd have a no claim in a future token. And what that would represent as a, um, as a, like a seller of, of coverage, it, it allows you to put in, say, one die. In this instance, we're going to use ETH, right? But we'll, we'll just put it back to die to make life easier. So we're going to use, so for one die, instead of just using one die and then getting one claim token to sell, and I have to make my whole premium from that one claim token, as a, as a um, coverage provider, I could now, I now had four tokens to sell, right? For that one die. So now, I don't have to try and package all my returns into that one and try and gouge the claim token buyer, right? To get my returns, right? I can now package up and go, well, I price the Uniswap LP and that to be slightly higher risk than just a single asset being staked, right? So you might charge X for this one and then a slightly higher for the next one. And then overall, the combined sale of all those claim tokens ends up being your total premium, Right. So what we were allowing them to do is for users to actually come and mint those tokens and then basically provide them to shared stake. And then we could sell them off at a fixed price where it didn't imp impede on the yield returns, but still provided a return to the um, coverage provider. And it's at that point that we would then use rewards to provide a fixed rate offset for, 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 for some of the potential, um, risk losses yeah I, and i definitely think that that kind of design almost like an all-in-one thing is going to become uh, more necessary <clears throat> as uh, i guess DeFi and crypto becomes more sophisticated just because you know it's all about the user experience you know it's 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 one thing if you can just visit one site and do all your LP and staking there. It's another if you have to visit Uniswap to do one thing. It's another thing if you have to visit Cover to do another. And I think it is a rub that keeps people from, from protecting themselves maybe as much as they should. I think, um, so one of the things that we're getting rid of here is friction, right? With finance, yeah? Mm -hmm. So middlemen, uh, regulations, you know, um, just just processes in general that are generally full of bullshit, right? Right, um, right. And they get to the charge exuberant amounts and fees to provide that that shitty service, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I but I think we've got a little bit of friction here in DeFi as well because we're not connected very well, right? We've got these lovely protocols and some of them connect well, um, but but there's still a there's, there is still an element of friction in regards to being a user, right? So one of the things that I foresee is that. A lot of the protocol, like Cover, I don't see claim holders or people seeking coverage ever using Cover in the future. Like as using our UI, you should just get it inherently from the site that you're using, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's how I foresee it. So, so yes, we came up with this nice um, package way. And anyone listening, if your protocol wants a specific, um, like coverage option that's for you guys, and you guys want to unsell it at a fixed price so that there's you know, returns, but there's, it's not eating into yields and stuff. We can absolutely do that. But we've also got this thing called the cover reserve coming. And, and, and that will be kind of taking what we were doing for you guys and, you know, boosting that to be streamed coverage. So it's the ability for users to only pay for the claim token while they need to hold it. 
for paying the premium as they go. Great. And also, I'm, I'm obviously a big believer in cover, but covers come a long way uh, since V1. And of course, there was the whole quadrillion cover tokens exploit. What, what can you mm. say about um, what you guys have done with security since then to kind of protect the protocol and users? <laughs> yeah um look we 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 could probably be um uh labeled as being maybe we've gone too secure like we, we've probably been very jumpy one way from the other um that's not to say that we weren't safe when we rolled that code out right so that had two two audits on it including a like an internal review across when we're part of the yearn um group right Mm -hmm. um and, and it was still missed the, the the small bit of code in there and the minting bug um look i think one this is for anyone building if you're doing farming rewards go and go and if 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 you've got a fixed supply then print it all mm -hmm. I, I that that that's my biggest feedback from that you cannot have the issue we had if it was all if it was all minted up front because then the minter is destroyed afterwards. Correct. Yeah. You, you've, you've got a fixed supply, right? Mm -hmm. So then you just attribute a certain amount. So even if that code was a bit, um, like allowed them to drain the, the farming rewards, that, that's all that could, could have happened. So that, that actually brings up one of my questions. I saw that Cover actually looks like it has released all of its tokens and minted all of them at this point. So that's why then, right? 100%. That's exactly why we did that. So... We made a very so after that we made a very uh, we made a very tight con, uh, decision to go hey we're just going to pack up complete farming rewards for now uh, we were at V one so we were still partway through V two build um, which we knew still had a bunch of audits to go on it and I'd made the decision that we were going to do a three audit process and that was going to be costly for us but it, it was a way that we could say that we're doing everything that we can to protect our users and given the type of um, platform that we're providing which is a you know fundamentally protection um you would think that the team would be taking those necessary steps to make sure that anything that they develop has has had it, it, its best chance of being completely in, like, like its integrity is there and i had another question related to that too i don't want to necessarily hop over to ruler right now but at the same time i did notice that you only have about i think 3500 of those tokens at the time like in the public have they actually all been minted yet or no no so so the um so the ruler tokens have been completely minted as well yes so okay. the major so, so so they sit between a dev fund and a treasury um and then we just allocate tokens from the from the treasury uh, fund that is there for um, rewards to monthly rewards. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and 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 to be honest, that's the easiest way to do it. The thing is, is here's one thing that people need to remember before going back and finishing off this this question is that just because they're all minted doesn't mean they're going to be used. Mm. Right. We've gone with a million hard cap token supply, but now looking at how we're operating some of the changes that we're doing on ruler versus cover are we going to use a million i'm i'm very confident we won't so what would you do with the rest of them then just burn them that would be a community decision i think um like the i, I think like how we use them to get there is not going to be a community decision but when it gets to the point where we feel like the 
the volumes and the users and everything is kind of paying for itself. And it's like, well, we're probably just devaluing the current holders by continuing with a yield farming process. Then I think, yeah, that becomes like a point to the community. Guys, we've got X amount of tokens left. We're literally just, we're giving out money for no reason. You know, what would you like to do with them? They could become a team fund, you know, they could be then, you know, we could sell them off as like a one, two, three year bond to raise more money to do other builds or something, or we could burn them and then give that value back to the holders, which means we, we, we reduce scarcity. Well, we reduce the scarcity of the ruler token. Yeah. So there'll be many options. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the most difficult things about um, being in DeFi and being a part of DeFi governance. It's kind of what you're talking about as, as regards to the tokenomics, because there's so many things that impact that, right? I mean, you can burn tokens, you can actually do buyback programs to try to build your treasury and to continue interest in the project. There's there's all these different things you can do with tokenomics, but not everybody is as well-versed or knowledgeable as you are, Ted, or, and yet we need to get votes from the community and they need to be empowered with as much of this information as possible to make the right decision when tokenomics become a subject of discussion and governance. Um, is that something I guess you guys have had a lot of challenges with educating people about the project and what have you seen be successful with that in terms of education? Uh, look, I can probably answer across both projects for that answer. Um, and it's nothing against community members. So, so, cause I've been one right before being like part of a, uh, part of a core team. Right. So, so in my learnings, um, you know, you've got to you've got to really decide: is the what you're asking for is it a short term fix or is it a long term fix? Right? Um, I find that a lot of tokenomics discussions end up being a short term price discussion rather than being for utility or how that creates value capture over time. Um, and 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 look, without being you know like naive, like that's going to just be because someone's bought a bag, right? Or they're, 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 they're financially invested and it might just be going the wrong way for them at the moment, yeah? So a lot of what we have to deal with and what I remind my team of is that, you know, um, it's a very unique environment, DeFi, where, um, you know, stakeholders have got direct access to the team, yeah? And, and, and those stakeholders aren't exactly signed on VCs or, you know, like professional stakeholders either. They're just you know, random stakeholders, right? Who could have, you know, they, they might not have the stomach for the type of investing that they're actually in. So you just need to understand that there's going to be a highly emotional charge, especially in moments of downtime, which we're seeing at the moment, um, around wanting to do tokenomics changes. And, and I get really jumpy at, you know, um, devs and decisions where, they, where the community makes a decision on a tokenomics change and they want to go and implement that straight away. And when you have a look at it, it's really just to either lock up tokens for a longer period of time or it's to remove um, selling pressure. But, but to me, that's not an improvement on the protocol, right? That's just improving the position that that user is in. And to me, that's not a reason to, to spend, to, that's not where I want to spend my time, right? Um, and, and this is where I say that that's a short-sighted view. So I say, well, to some, would you rather me go and fix the tokenomics so it stops the dumping pressure, like so it stops people dumping it today because they don't want to, because they're choosing not to hold it. It's kind of like, well, why, why are they choosing not to hold it? Is it because they don't believe in it? Because we haven't built enough, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, there's two different behaviors around that. And I think that if 
um, community members spend enough time and 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 um, and and listen to the to, to the project. So we do give our updates, and I do a, a few live streams as well. Um, you'll know that there's enough development coming, and what and what is coming will will, will add that value that you're so craving for. I, I think one of the things that um, I want builders to hear is continue to build things that are going to be used and you won't ever need to make a tokenomics change. That makes sense. I have um, uh, a couple more questions as, uh, as it relates to cover before we move on to ruler, unless Robin has other ones, but um, I have a couple more too. So go for it and I'll, uh, I'll pick. Yeah. Up yeah. My first question is kind of like what, what's currently driving partnerships that cover Are you guys still partnering with different um, are you mainly looking to partner with protocols to provide insurance options? Are there any other types of partnerships you're seeking right now? Uh, just, I guess what's build, what's driving growth of cover right now? Sure. So, so I think there's two different, so with cover partners for us are going to be obviously key, right? So, so partners are key. Um, we've, we've been able to um, go back to the community. And after we spoke earlier about our minting bug, we, we, we cut off a number of our original hard cap on our tokens um, to just appease the, the community back when that issue happened. They've graciously voted and given us back that supply cap. Now, we haven't spent any of those. They'll go to cover liquidity mining. Um, and, and, and they'll actually be uh, put to our order books. So we've now, we, we now have an order book structure rather than an AMM for, for selling claim tokens. Um, which, which just makes it a lot more capital efficient as well. Let someone be able to set a fixed price, right? At where they see the risk rather than having to rely on the, on where the curve is sitting at the time in the AMM. Um, so, you know, the, 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 some of the uh, really important things for, um, for, for cover from a partnership point of view is, is actually just a use case. So, we want to work with those that want to actually have it kind of like shared stake we're going to. Yeah. Um, right. Where it's, where it's physically on the website, users get the ability to actually have a, the, the quote is there as well at the transaction level. So they can actually, if they're staking into a, a vault or if they're putting it into like a return, like a yield farming play or whatever, whatever it is, that amount, that transaction value can be quoted for coverage right at the point of transaction and you can have that in your wallet you can own that right when you go in and pay for it that is that's the level of partnership that we're looking for because outside of that i just don't think you're going to get users going to like we said earlier a bunch of different protocols just to kind of um you know play in this environment for themselves you need to make it very simplistic it needs to be front of mind um wherever you possibly can uh, and if you can remove the need to have to go somewhere else, I just kind of, do you want coverage? Click, it's done. Yeah, I agree. Ease is definitely important. Um, I do have a question about one of your specific partnerships and feel free to share whatever you want. But sure. it was uh, actually with regards to Yearn Finance. Mm. I was just curious uh, what you'd be willing to share with regards to how that partnership didn't work out with cover. Um uh, look, to be honest with you, uh, I've never been given probably the, a, a straight answer in regards to the protocol level. Um, so I, I'm happy just to say kind of what I, what I know because I wasn't – so th there's, there's two things, right? There is we've got Andre mentioning a tweet that he deleted around us not being trusted, 
I think that was one one part of that, mm-hmm. which he then deleted, and I'll explain in a second. And then we also had the whole uh, yearn then deciding that they were going to remove their um, the partnership, which they announced um, an hour after we launched Ruler. So, um, yeah. So the Andre tweet with cover has nothing to do with any protocol. That is directly a, uh, a personal issue that he had with one of our devs. Um, now, he hasn't come out and said that. I've asked him to do that. Um, so, um, so if anyone's listening and wants to just remind him, uh, tap him on the shoulder and just let's, let's make sure he, uh, he fixes up, you know, the, 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 the protocol slander that he put on there. Um, I'm not going to sit by and, 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 and actually defend anything that my team has done, like personally with Andre. Um, I'm not going to get into that either. Because between all of them, no one is innocent in it, right? And it's just a personal breakdown mm. um, where egos have gotten the way. And it's very, and to me, uh, like nothing could have upset me more in a decentralized world. Ah, that's shitty. Yeah. And I got to admit, right. I think that's the same thing what happened with Shared State, talking about egos getting in the way. Yeah. 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 So, so, and that's nothing against Andre. All right. He has every right to be upset with what he was upset about, but what he didn't have the right to do was then go and blame a whole community and destroy everyone's work in that same foul swoop. And, um, and I hope he regrets that. And at some point I hope he actually amends that, but that's a different story. Uh, the yearn thing um, is, is, and this is separate. They decided to go a different way. Um, they weren't happy that we were building out a second protocol. Um, I had meetings with them. Uh, they were continually questioning if we could manage both of them. Uh, I think we've proven since then that that's never been a problem. Uh, and, and Yearn managed to manage, you know, far more than two protocols. So to me, there's that, that we've never been given the truth, but that that's our side of the story. Gotcha. I had a quick question um, before we move on a little more uh, in regards to shared sake with something like that happening uh, just so I make sure. And just so the users make sure could a user of like cover in general, I guess gone over to your site and purchased coverage for something like shared stake, or do you have to actually create a partnership with that organization beforehand to have coverage on it? Yeah. So right now, because we, um, because of the way that we're set up, um, you need to actually put, like you need to engage with our dev team so we can set up a pool and and have it all done that way, right? So you can't just come and create your own coverages. Um, in in a, in the very near future, that won't be the case. You'll actually there will be a permissionless setup, so that means anyone can come and set up any their their own coverage pool. Gotcha. Right? They can make their own claim tokens, leverage it out as far as they want. Uh, well, within a certain parameter that we give for the time being. Um, yeah, and basically provide their own terms and conditions. So for lack of better words, you'll be actually be able to come and make your own mutual. Then I was kind of wondering too, like, so we've had the crash recently. Um, mm. With that with that in mind and, you know, the overall downturn of the market and road bumps along the way, the number of cover holders has been consistently on the rise. Um, do you think that that has to do with uh, like, 
the word spreading, you know, with, with different hacks, with exploits and things like that, the value of having insurance, or do you think it has to do with possibly like the uh, speculation on the token? I think there's, uh, look, there's definitely still speculation. I think one of the things are, um, you know, like I'm a fundamental, uh, like before I got into like uh, building, I was a fundamental investor, right? So I used to use my fundamentals to have a look at price action and, and kind of see if there was an arbitrary opportunity there where the fundamentals were, like the price just didn't meet the fundamentals. I, th- I honestly God think that's where we are with cover. Um, uh, we, we were labeled, you know, um, you know, all the good things that you get labeled in, in life in crypto early, like as a scam, we were ruggers, you know, we're all the, all the good things. Um, I, I've said this a number of times, but one of my favorite quotes is by Kane Warwick from Synthetics. And uh, he's mentioned on Twitter, uh, like, uh, like, like early last year, um, that if you're building a project today and, uh, and you're really persistent and you haven't been called a scammer yet, keep going because you will. And, and it's like a, it's like, it's like a pride of honor. It's like to be called yeah. a scammer and then like, just keep building. And then all of a sudden you're not a scammer. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you, it, it's kind of like, you're going to be that until you're not. And um, you know, our team were just reminded of that, you know, a few times we just keep building. So I think the constant development keeps investors interested um, and we are continually iterating. So um, and, and recently we, we kind of packaged up our roadmaps for both of the, the, the protocols over the next 12 months. Um, and we, you know, we released a, um, probably more information that we wanted to. Um, and that's just because of the nature that we're in, you know, we're, we've got two protocols that are yet to be kind of forked by anyone. That doesn't mean that there will be. Um, but it's been my opinion that it, we're just a very complicated under the hood, um, but if if we give away too much, I think people will start to see what the real use case is down the road and try and front run us. So we're in this balancing act around giving out enough information to kind of please everyone and let them know what's happening, but retain enough to know that, you know, we don't want to give away everything that, you know, we think is going to be a point of difference. Yeah. Now, my, my last question would cover basically has to do with the future of, uh, you know, decentralized insurance in general. So you know, right now there's also healthcare, there's vehicles, there's homes, there's life insurance and things like that. Do you envision mm. that kind of stuff moving over to DeFi? And Absolutely. So, what do you envision that looking like? <laughs> Absolutely. So I envision that as being like a two level, right? For real world use case, yeah? So we are going to be able to release within this year two different real world coverages. So hurricane and earthquake cover, right? Okay. So, so that will be part of Cover Protocol's offering. Um, and, and it was built with that in mind, not just smart contracts. We wanted to make sure we could cover both smart contracts. Obviously had the use case up front. Right. But the idea is that if we do this right. We'll get all the real world stuff come across. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're already, um, looking at how we go further than just kind of like, so, so earthquake and hurricane coverage and so forth, um, is it, relatively easy to do, um, just based off the fact that it's kind of geographically located um, and, you know, there's enough uh, like data, uh, you know, collection sources that are, you know, uh, verifiable where you can, you know, kind of verify that that event has taken place, right? At a certain time and day. Um, but, you know, we're, we're absolutely solving as well in the back end for consumer level coverage, 
So that's consumer level healthcare coverage, consumer level auto coverage. So, you know, um, and, and that will probably speak to what we talk about with ruler, but for, for lack of better words, you're going to, you should be able to between cover and ruler in the not too distant future, be able to buy a house and get house insurance on that same asset. Awesome. Wow. That's great. I guess we can go ahead and move on to ruler then. Um, so ruler, of course, as you know, offers DeFi using the benefit of non-liquidatable loans with no KYC required. Uh, what else, Ted, can you tell us about the benefits and uses of ruler? So, I mean, <clears throat> the clear benefit is obviously that we push the, um, the risk that um, is on the user to the lender, right? So that kind of fits more traditionally with how, um, you know, lending works today. I go to a bank, I provide them with all my details. They make a credit assessment based on me, right? They provide the interest rate and then I accept them. So they're the ones that are taking on my risk and they're pricing that and then providing me that offer. This is exactly the same. Now, the difference in that real world is that that that, uh, economic incentive to repay is based on your credit file, right? And in the US, it's more than it is here in Australia, right? That's everything to you guys, right? That's you guys getting a rental, right? That's, uh, you know, you can be looked at for your job, all that type of stuff. So, so it's a really strong economic incentive to want to repay that loan, right? Is to keep that going. So we don't have that yet in this space. And that doesn't mean that we won't add that in. When that, t- that level of capability is available with reputation in DeFi, Ruler will absolutely be able to use that, right? As a lending um in, in their lending criteria. But while that's not in existence today, we wanted to still provide a service where people can come and lend their asset, yeah, and not worry about a liquidation in that time. I think that's probably one of the um, the, the things that um, is at least scary to some of the people that I talk to that are still coming in, right? Is that, you know, oh, wait, so I've got to manage this liquidation thing. And you like... A lot of the time you're like, well, just don't borrow a lot, you know, like only go to like 30% of your borrow limit or whatever. But the truth is, is that there's actually been times where that would have still not protected you, like, like a March 20, like that March crash last year, um, you know, or that the, the, there was a flash, that flash crash not long ago um, when we came down from the top, you know, all of those could have actually in, in, in a safe lending environment could have put you at a liquidation risk. So what, what ruler does is allows you to have the flexibility, not worry about the market movements, right? In, in inside a date range, so you've it's fixed term, so you know you've got an expiry date, fixed rate, your cost is known up front, um, and then you've only got one thing to do when you borrow from ruler as a borrower, just repay it before it expires. That's it. And I see, like in ruler, you have three different like. Um figures basically so there's like the mint ratio the total value mm-hmm. locked, and then the apr so can you explain each of those and how they relate to a loan yeah sure okay so um so the mint ratio right is the economic driver right so it's it and and i i said it earlier that our ruler protocol right now it works like a out of the money european style put option so so we if we just look at the word mint ratio, you could turn that into a strike price, right? And it's now kind of like an option. So a good example uh, on that one would be, um, well, we got the Bitcoin. Um, 
So you can borrow $22,000 per Bitcoin on our um, platform and you've got to repay by August 1st, right? So the, the, the way that that um, is set up is that you, so what's Bitcoin now, like 34,000 or whatever it is? Yeah, 34, 35K. So, so it means that you can go and park your Bitcoin there, um, get your 22,000, right? Less interest. Now, the interest is just a discount on that RC token. The way it works is that a borrower will deposit one wrapped Bitcoin. They will receive the two tokens. They'll receive 22,000 RR tokens, which is their hold on their collateral. Now, now the 22,000 is because they owe 22,000 per Bitcoin. And then they'll also receive DAI at that time. But that die is derived from actually they would have minted RC tokens first. And then what they do with those RC tokens is they sell them to the market at a discount, right? Now that discount is made up at expiry when they come to pay back. So the discount is the interest that they're paying and what the uh, lender is receiving. So a hypothetical would be if you were selling your RC tokens at 99 cents, right? And it's at the start of the month. That's 1% a month, which is 12% per annum. Does that make sense? Yeah, I believe so. And do you offer any uh, expiries like longer than a month or is that pretty standard? Yeah, yeah. So we, we um, the, the recent expiries that we launched last month are still going. So we've actually, we actually launched a, like a two month expiry on Bitcoin and wrapped ETH back then. Um, we will be launching some longer expiries very soon. Um, on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, and, you know, we've do, we're working on some, um, some, some lovely things to make life a little bit easier, which is like an automatic rollover for both borrowers and lenders so that you don't actually have to um, come and repay the loan or um, to, we'll actually be able to flash loan and exercise you out of it in one transaction. And are you only able to get stable coins right now? Yeah, so right now it's um well right now it's a, it, they're paired against Dai, but we've also got two pairings against Badger uh, and ALCX, which is their ALUSD. So that's the USD basing for those pairings, and they're based on the order books now. So, so we now use order books for Ruler also, um which 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 brings me to uh, if you actually go down to the bottom of that page, you'll actually see that there's a, a cover rules beta. And that cover rules is actually our combined um, decks for both cover and ruler for any of our tokens, claim or RC tokens. And this is actually, this is run by zero X and you can actually set your price, right? So with, if you select ruler on the app and just select say the wrap, uh, the wrapped ETH protocol, so ruler, select product wrapped ETH, uh, and then you select the, the the RC token that you want, which is I think the this one is the six sixteen hundred um, RC token. Yep, that one there, that second one. Yep, perfect. Uh, and then you, you'd come the, the, uh, there. You go. There's some orders in there now. So mm-hmm. as you can see, 
not only do we show the price, but we can actually give you what that APR is, right? At the time for the buyer or the seller on the left-hand side. So, so not only the price there, we've actually put that APR there. So you actually know what price you're getting, right? Now, why is this, now why is, why is it done this way? Well, this is actually much more capital efficient. It allows a user to come and set the price at where they believe the price is, right? So if they think that it's 20% return, then they'll set it at 20% return and they could set the whole position at that and have a zero slippage uh, environment. This also allows for uh, much bigger um, kind of bonds to be done as well. But that's probably for a, uh, for a later iteration of what we're doing. Yeah, because you mentioned like uh, potentially mortgages could be managed through something mm-hmm. like this eventually. Like, is there anything that can't be done or is it pretty much any lending borrowing situation? This is pretty much the need of it. Yeah. So, so if I, um, if I take a step back without giving away too much, mm-hmm. the ruler and cover were, de- were designed and conceptualized at the exact same time. So ruler wasn't an afterthought, right? Ruler was always going to come with cover. Uh, ruler is a fully collateralized or a collateral based lending platform that allows you to basically um, yeah, collateralize your positions, right? What cover allows us to do is create derivatives of. So that's your leveraged derivatives of, of, of different coverages. So between the two platforms, we can actually make any financial service. Wow. And yeah, because all, most- all, all, all it takes is a different UI. So we could be an options platform, a futures platform, perpetuals. We could offer, um, yeah, we can offer insurance like a Nexus Mutual. We can offer you know, compound and RVA style lending. We can offer, you know, B2B lending. We can offer bonds. We can, there's nothing, there's not one product that we can't offer with this model. Yeah, and it seems like even something as simple as maybe I want to hold my ETH, but I need a little bit of fiat money so I can stake it and borrow against it some DAI or USDC or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got little use cases like that, but then you've also got, um, you know, something as much as maybe taking a loan out for a car or something like that, you could use USDC or die for. hundred percent. And then if you actually click the options view on the ruler and, uh, you know, you play around with us for the month, you'll find that, um, that as an option, as a put option, more often than not, we're cheaper than Deribit. How would you compare so, yourself to maybe like a compound as far as rates? So, so compound from a rate point of view, right? It depends on what you're borrowing, right? So they they haven't gone after any long tail assets. It's purely, um, you know, those much more high high liquidity assets. But it's on a bonding curve, so it's on supply and demand. So the, you know, your rate could be, you know, five, you know, four or five percent borrowing US USD, right? For the majority, but in in peaks in peak times you know, your rate could spike up to the twenties, right? While you're on a variable rate. So, so, you know, the difference here is that one at compound, right? Look, I think there's a use case for both. So I'm not trying to argue away why it's better. I'm just, Mm -hmm. there are differences. Yeah. So as a passive liquidity provider, I'm probably going to want to use compound at this stage, right? Because I just want to put my, my USD there. I just want to get a return. I got the ability to borrow another asset if I want, right? But I'm getting the return, yeah? So that's mm-hmm. more for like a passive 
participant. They don't have to think about it, right? The returns is going to come. It'll fluctuate. I'll just keep an eye on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you 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 need to worry about two things. The, the the first one is is you know can you set your watch to that rate? Like what's the historical rate on that? And you should always look at your last like kind of ninety days. I don't think thirty days is enough in this space. Ninety days on an average is probably the bare minimum what your weighted average rate is across that period of time. Um, but then you also run into liquidity issues, right? So, so if you've deposited funds there and everyone's borrowing it and you want it, you can't just go and get it out. It's not there. Right. Mm-hmm. You run into a liquidity issue. Um, so, so the difference between comp and ruler is ruler can never have a liquidity issue. Mm-hmm. Right, we can't ever be um, bankrupt. Right, we're not exposed to that. Compenave are. Mm, so it's a bigger, bigger risk profile, essentially. Correct. Well, well, I mean, if one of their, it, let's say, uh, I mean, uh, Cream's a good example right now, right? They've got uh, like a three point something million dollar swag debt that they're wearing because swag's gone to zero. Mm-hmm. Right, but someone borrowed three million bucks against it. So now they're out of pocket three million because the collateral that that was used is now not worth anything, and no one's going to liquidate it. Right, and they have to pay that back, but it's bank. Correct, exactly. Right, ruler doesn't run into that problem. Mm, okay, I see. Right, we provide the financial rails for those parties or participants to come and play with each other. Uh, can you go over the return rate too? Is it more fixed with compound or more fixed with ruler? I want to make sure I understand that difference. Oh, it's we are only fixed. Mm. So, so, so that's the difference. I mean, it's like so two two things, right? It's a fixed rate, but it's generally for less than a month when you're fixing that rate to borrow, right? So, one thing I tell users to look at is, yeah, it could be maybe thirty percent, forty percent, fifty percent, right? APR. But you're not going to pay that over a year. You're going to be that's just what it works out for the time left in that expiry, right? So I always right. say go look at the cost of funds, right? At an actual amount. So that could just be going to the light and doing a UI, like going to the light UI and doing a quote and saying, well, how much can I borrow? Okay, it's going to cost me X amount to borrow this. Can I recover that amount of money in that time and be profitable? And you have those time periods because that's how you're able to provide a fixed interest rate. And that's how you're able to not have the protocol go bankrupt because it's setting the rate for that period of time. Is that kind yeah, of like the c- difference why you have that versus compound, which has like a more variable Well, compound rate. allows for a different type of lending, right? It just it, so, so, so this is where I want to just kind of set the, the differences, yeah? Compound, yeah. Aave, Uniswap, SushiSwap, anything that's on a bonding curve, right? Yeah, like that, like an AMM bonding curve. So so just because they're not an AMM, that they are, right? It's on a bonding curve, right? Just supply and demand. But the idea is Comp and Aave will be there so that there's funds to borrow if you ever need funds, right? That's what they're there for. Uniswap's there so that there's a quote there if you ever want to do a swap. That's how these bonding curves work. They allow passive or lazy liquidity to sit there and be available for anyone, right? You can get paid a fee to do so. Gotcha. Right. We are not that. We want... We want active participants. We're an active participant model, right? We sue a different level of, of, of people. So lenders on our platform or coverage providers on cover, right, are going to be very active. They're going to know what they're doing. They're going to be prepared to want to price risk. They're going to want to open their own kind of shop, right? They're going to want to 
sell that risk. For users of those platforms, right? On Rula, I expect no one going past, as a borrower, going past the light UI, right? They should just want to go up and go, I've got this asset and I want to borrow against it. How much can I get, right? And this right. is very easy. So if you just put in there, like down the bottom, that like you've got, you've selected Bitcoin. I want to borrow die. How many Bitcoin do I want to collateralize? Um, you just type it in the bottom down the section there. And then if you just put like one or two, it'll tell you exactly how much you can get. Oh, that's interesting. So it'll say you owe 495 die on two Bitcoin by the end of July. And your annualized interest rate based on that amount of cost works out to be 13.21% per annum. I like that it calculates that. So like if you were borrowing on compound, you'd have to do that all yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's right. the beauty with it being fixed, right? So what do, so what do people generally borrow money for, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time they're seeking yield, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, so if you're seeking yield and, um, and, and you want to try and, you know, be within a certain range, having a fixed price on one side makes it so much easier, right? Because oh, you can yeah. set your watch to that cost, right? You know what that cost rate. is going to be, right? Yeah, if you have a variable rate, it could change. And then all of a sudden you've lost money because you weren't counting on it. But whereas here you could say, oh, I've got two Bitcoin. Maybe I want to lock those up and I want to put this die into a stable coin farm that just opened up. Yeah, you know, we'll learn you more than that in that amount of time. And you're like, you're like, I, for, I might just sit in it for two weeks, earning a hundred, four hundred percent APY, right? While it's early, but mm. you'll pay that off in no time. Come and repay your loan and keep your difference. Yeah. So, right. so, so, so that's the benefit. Here's the better side of it, right? Because it's on expiry time and not on a liquidation, it, it makes it so much more comfortable to go across a bridge. Because you're not worried about having to pull those funds over in a high stress environment where things are cascading to try and pay out your loan. You don't have to worry about that. You just mm -hmm. set a day before on a time, 24 hours beforehand, and go, yeah, I'll pull it out 24 hours beforehand. Make make sure I'm really safe. Yeah, because it's not just the it's not just the safety and getting rid of some of that risk as long as you're able to repay that before the expiry, but it's also there's also a lot of like seeing this demo of it too. Like there's a lot of information it gives you too, so that you're more informed about the type of borrowing you're making. I think that's really helpful. That's correct. So, so we have got some really cool things coming, um, which, uh, so, so between myself and a couple of devs, we feel like that we have come up with a solution that will allow an automatic repayment to happen. Mm -hmm. So someone can actually just basically tick a box and if you haven't repaid the loan within, say, six hours of it being due, the system can check to see if you've got the funds available and pay it out for you. That'd be oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But you have to obviously give more permissions to the protocol. So Only one permission. Only one permission, amazingly enough. Hmm. But, but we're utilizing four protocols to make that happen, and one of them is the Keeper Network. So more to come on that. Cool. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. I yeah. think that's all, that I think that's all my questions on ruler. Did you have any other ones, Robin? Yeah. So I wanted to talk real quick about the actual ruler token. Um, okay. You have the ruler token, and then you also have X ruler. So is hmm. X ruler like pretty much wrapped ruler? Is that or not wrapped ruler, but basically staked ruler? Is that how that yeah. works? Yeah. So so let me give you a um, so yeah so X ruler and X cover they're the same thing, right? It was a placeholder. 
and, and this is where I kind of come back to that tokenomics decisions, right? Around making changes to your tokens, but is it for the right reasons, right? So the X ruler X cover was very much a community driven kind of process. They wanted somewhere like an EPS or uh, like a curve style where you lock up the tokens, you could earn more of that token, right? And they would then eventually do something within the system. Now, after spending a lot of time um, doing a lot of research on how to best utilize this, I mean, the X ruler whole process will be deprecated anyway in favor of a vested escrow process like curve. Um, and we have spent a lot of time building utility in for these VE tokens. Um, and I will, I can't say much at the moment because there's just so much that will go into that. But basically as a holder, the, 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 the benefits, there's going to be benefits that have never been seen in DeFi. I'll put it to you that way. For staking? For staking, yeah. Benefits to, to holders. So by holding that, and that includes fee returns, you know, from the protocol that there, there are other returns built into there that have never actually been earned before, but we will start earning them. Nice. Yeah. So, so, so we've got a bunch of new um, features yet to come out with that. I'm really excited for that. I, I, you know, I, I want to tell the world about what we've got, but I also don't want to get front run. So I'm just waiting for that to come out and, um, and I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll probably talk about that, um, you know, for the next two weeks once that rolls out. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's like my main question. So, All right, you got yeah, else? yeah, I just was gonna ask about uh, Pleaser DAO. Um, I noticed oh, that you're yeah. involved with them, and just uh, what would you like to share <laughs> about your involvement with them? All right. Uh, yeah. So Pleaser DAO. Um, that's it's it's like a mind of its own. So. So my involvement with Pleaser DAO was very early. So um, so it, it started in March. Um, uh, Leighton, Leighton Cusack from um, <clears throat> from Pull Together, we'd been talking about doing some stuff with Ruler and Cover and and that. And, and you know, I, I'd kept an eye out uh, on his Twitter uh, for some Pull Together stuff um, that was coming out. And uh, he mentioned about, you know, picking up this X times Y equals K piece by pleaser now, by people pleaser. And I, um, like I wanted to buy it because at the, like, I just read the V3 paper. Um, you know, I, I still think uni V3 and the, uh, like the, the ranges that they provide will still play a part in, um, in our ruler and cover protocol for different parts. Um, and, 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 and because yeah, Uniswap just, fits a lot of the ethos uh, around just the permissionless side of things, you know, just launch a pool, you know, always a trade there and the way it was kind of just designed just, just fit a lot of the reasons I was here. Uh, so I was like, Oh yeah, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Shut up and take my money. I actually think I, I, I actually um, did the DeFi, I did the fry thing, right. The, <laughs> shut up and take my money. Um, and um and yeah, Daryl Lau kind of reached out to me and said, "Hey man, um, I saw you te- your, your, your tweet. Do you want to come join the the Telegram group? We got like five or six people there at the moment." So I'm like, "All right, that sounds sounds cool. I'll, I'll be involved." And I think it was maybe like uh, like ten ETH each or something we we're going to put in, like to try and raise the money for this. And I think we had about ten people. We had about a hundred ETH, and we thought we've got enough, right? 
and and I, I just I just reached out to like kind of Santiago from um, Parify. Um, you know, we'd done some, we'd spoken earlier um, that week, and I was like, hey man, this you know this seems like something would be really cool to be part of. He's like, yeah, yeah tag me in. Um, and uh, we put our first bids out for this people pleaser piece, and then we we go to have a look, and Andrew Kang, who is of Mechanism Cap. Um, already had a hundred ETH bid in, and we're like, "Oh, we're already blown out of the water!" Like, like we've just got this down together, and he's already there. So we're all kind of like, "Oh, we should get in the join." So I, it was me, and I can't remember who else texted him, but I was I was on Telegram. I was like, "Hey, mate, uh, I saw that you've bid. We've got a big group together. You know, you basically join us or die." You know, uh, and, and he thought it was hilarious. So after he, he I, you know, I he was considering it for a period of time and we didn't know if he was going to come over. And then all of a sudden I see he enters the chat, right. In the telegram group. I'm like, Oh, we, he's here. And he just goes, I'll give you my donate, like what I was going to bid anyway. And let's just do it all as a group. Right. And he just thought that was a much better. So it was actually him coming in and kind of going, Hey, I want to be this as well. Kind of got this group together. And I think we ended up with about 25 of us, right. In the end. And we bought this piece and we're like, oh my God, we got this piece. And, it, and the story of it probably had a lot more to do with it because it was like, if you think about it, it it's like it, it, none of that's, none of this is possible without Ethereum, like this capital coordination in a way that you could get together in this social media environment, get this capital together and then, and then, and then bid to win this one piece where you could share ownership, right? We didn't want to... St- you know, a lot of the cool guys are like, well, we can't stop here. Like, this has got it. This is starting to build its own movement. And we didn't know where we were going with it. And then, like, the, the Edward Snowden piece came up. And yeah, everyone was like, yeah, we, we need this bit. Right. So um, that was it. Just kind of flew by there. Um, if you go to a gallery, it's probably a little bit easier kind of to see um, all, the, all the pieces there. But but basically the Snowden piece came up and for those that don't know, it's a, um, it, it's the first one there. It's, a, it's the, it's actually the, uh, the entirety of the landmark court. Yeah. The court decision ruling um, from the, uh, from the NSA basically saying that they violated the, the, the law around their mass surveillance of the, um, of us citizens. Um, and, you know, this guy basically gave up his life right he, he he left he left his family you know didn't tell anyone where he's going picked up and and had moved himself to russia basically um so that he doesn't face you know um you know sanctions and so forth against himself for this by the u.s even though you know he was right in what he did uh and 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 i think that level of um, like how we how we're big brothered, I guess, and 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 about our own privacy. It speaks to a lot of crypto natives, uh, and this just made so much sense. And the, and the, and and all the funds went to charity. So um, to us, once that piece came up, it kind of it kind of helped set the precedent for what we were about as well. Like these really DeFi um, crypto historic kind of pieces, uh, and then it just kind of flowed from there. Like the tour piece came up. Um, and that was another um, like charitable opportunity, which was um, Dreamy at Dusk. And then, yeah, and then obviously we um, we ended up with the Doge piece. Um, 
a little bit later. Now, the funny thing is, is that for all of these um, auctions bar, the very first one that we did, because my time zone is completely different to the rest of the team, I keep waking up to all these things happening. Well, they've happened. I just wake up in the morning and then read, oh, we bought something. <laughs> so I've actually never been a part of any other purchase other than the first one. So I can't take any credit for it. Um, but I will say that, yeah, the, 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 it's a group of really, um, like you can have a look at the team there. There's a, there's a lot of well-known people that are on here now um, that are just part of the group. Um, if you go to the about section, yeah, you'll see like, um, you know, you got like Andrew Kang, Tarun, um, David Hoffman from Bankless, uh, Blue Kirby, Tom Schmidt, uh, you know, Rob Leshner from Compound, Santiago. Uh, you got all the Metcap guys there, Julian, um, you know, Tetranode, who's an OG, Whale. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, you got Starnet. Yeah. You, you, yeah most people in DeFi will know most of the players in there. Um, and, and I think not only is this a kind of a like the peeps and Pleasedale kind of a bet on the curation of this because we've got a lot of um, well, you got the DeFi artists in there as well or, or NFT um, art um, kind of um, centric uh, figures, but we've also got a lot of DeFi and crypto centric figures. So it's it's almost like it's also a not only a, like a punt on the pieces and, and how we can monetize those and and continue to grow it, but I think it's also a punt on the um, on the crew as well and on the on the combined um, you know um, resources within there. Yeah, I think it's really cool because when I first saw it, I just assumed it was a collection of you know fans of people pleaser. But it looks like you guys collect art from all over. Um, and it was a, it was originally a theme around people pleaser because for those that were around through DeFi Summer, you'll know that she did a lot of the kind of very art centric pieces through DeFi. Like like when they came out through Summer, like they were done by her. Like she did all the farm stuff for Harvest, and um, like there was a few other ones that she did as well. So a lot of this, yeah, she her art kind of symbolized the you know the DeFi summer that we had that kind of kickstarted it all right so, so, so that was really important to us but it wasn't just about her stuff but we wanted the the like the please the dow is 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 that, that that's like its essence it's starting like we wanted to start with her she like she was the artist that kickstarted it for all of us in the dow right her art bringing us from DeFi into this art centric world Right. Um, and, and it's kind of strange because we invited her to be part of the DAO. Right? So, 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 so the artist herself were like, no, no, you've got to be part of this. Yeah? And, and a lot of people thought that was weird at start, but I, I actually love the idea that she's, helped, that, that she's there to help curate this as well. I noticed a quick little thing, Fry, if you can hop back over to uh, their Twitter real quick. Okay. Once <laughs> here. So I noticed that uh, Pleaser Dow is apparently located at Burning Man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's funny as I actually just got back from BlackRock on Sunday. Have you been before? I have not. I have not. I, I've, I've actually never, you know, I, I've, um, I haven't been to the States yet. Oh, well, it's yeah. a good excuse to come for sure. It will yeah. be a good excuse when the, um, when the Australian government allow me to leave my own country. Oh, uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, like, I mean, you were talking about that, like, uh, when we were chatting, like, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like, um, we were in, uh, you know, we were obviously in the, uh, like, South Pacific. Uh, you know, we're, we're very much near China in that area. Um, so I feel like we just follow their lockup laws. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not like the US where it's just kind of like, ah, oh, business as usual. Yeah, it was a weird experience here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of your states are obviously like really on it, and there's others that evidently don't give a shit, right? So, <laughs> so <laughs> here in Australia, we do let the states run it, but you know, it, that's more just that's you know, it's just for like looks. At the end of the day, whatever the federal government says happens across the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, once we get let out, I'm sure they'll probably say you need a vaccination to leave or something. So, um, you know, I just hope they've solved the problem with blood clots by that time. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, mate, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great chat. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank uh, you. having you. What, was there uh, absolutely anything else you want to talk about? Uh, any links we should share at the end of this? Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, no, look, I, I just, I look, I'd say that just in the space in general, like, um, if you've come in the last 12 months, you've likely made some gains and lost them all. Um, <laughs> oh, calling me out, man. So yeah. Uh, but look, it's, 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 but it's a stark reminder that, um, that we're in a building time now. So if you're like, I, I just take back to my own experience, right? I came in at the start of 2017. I did the exact same thing, right? I made some money. I lost it all, right? Um, but it was the <clears throat> the constant learning that kept me here. And then, obviously, I've been able to, to, to come to fruition um, years down the track. If you want to be here, I say stay here. This is the best time to build, right? Well... Everyone's looking at the price going down. Is it ever going to go back up? Blah, blah, blah. Um, build. That's that's the best way to add value to any investment that you have in this space. Um, and, and I think that's why I'm so drawn to it is because the most unique part about crypto is that it's a full meritocracy. Like there's just no other industry in the world where you can just turn up say I, I i'm developing these skills or i have these skills um and i think i can impart them and and just find a way to use them and and you'll find value comes your way right it's like i'm not a coder yeah i'm not uh, like i came from a finance background um i'm not college educated jesus christ i'm not even i didn't even finish secondary school right so you know, if you're thinking that you're come from a position where you can't learn it, bullshit. I, I, I call I call you out straight away. Yeah, we need every every skill in this industry, and the reason why is because we're trying to convert the traditional to this. So we're going to need every single skill. Yeah, it's been a fascinating place to work. Um, I definitely think it's been. Uh, motivating to come in every day and have to just be a part of building something new and wonderful. Uh, it's just an opportunity to, that you don't see very often. And I'm, I'm definitely feel blessed to be a part of DeFi. 
Uh, and of course, we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with us as well. No worries, guys. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for having me and uh, look forward to seeing what you two do next. Thank you very much. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Cheers, guys. Have a great Take day. Care.